0: grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. For this evening, this New Year's Eve service, I'd like to draw your attention to the words of Luke chapter 2, just verse 21. After eight days passed, when the child was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather together, we do so certainly wishing each other a happy new year. And it truly is that you... Whether we know it or not, we can say it's a happy new year. But the thing is, is New Year's celebration has become quite secular versus sacred. Oh, you have your New Year's Eve bash or your New Year's Day getting together and and but there's always an emphasis on partying and getting drunk and 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 breaking in the new year with a bang. <coughs> In fact, as I said, it has become more secular than it has sacred. Because in the church calendar year, we actually don't celebrate the new year. We actually celebrate, as part of the church year, we celebrate the new year with the first Sunday in Advent. No, the celebration of New Year's Day is actually traditionally called the octave of Christmas. In other words, the eighth day of Christmas. So counting Christmas and New Year's Day, you have eight days. And why is that so significant? It's really because of the verse I just read. That verse is verse 21. The first 20 verses before that is the beautiful Christmas account. And, and, and every time we read that, we definitely sing silent night and joy to the world. We hear that in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree. We hear how there was no place at the inn, and she gave birth and laid the child in the manger. We hear the angels singing glory to God in the highest and announcing to the shepherds, that Christ the Lord is born, and you will find him in Bethlehem. We find that they run to Bethlehem and find it just as the angel had said. And then after, they went and told others, telling everyone as they headed back to their sheep. And then we're told those beautiful words, Mary treasuring up and pondering these things in her heart. And then comes this one verse. After eight days, he was circumcised, and they named him Jesus, as the angel had told them. That's it. Two things. Circumcision and the naming of Jesus. What is interesting is circumcision was actually a law of Moses that God called for the Israelites to carry out on Every male organ. It was uh, actually started with Abraham. Abraham was ninety-nine years old. Ishmael was born, but he had Ishmael through Hagar. But Isaac wasn't born yet. He would born. He would be born a year later. At ninety-nine years old, the Lord came to Abraham, who was starting to doubt because the Lord had told him that he would have a son with Sarah, but it's actually been 24 years and still no son. The Lord had promised him that he was going to uh, make him into a father of many nations. He actually changed his name. It was Abram, which means father, and changed it to Abraham, which means father of many. He did the same with Sarah. Sarai means princess. Sarah is princess of many. And then along with it, he told them that they would have this land. And and then, in fact, he would even say that all nations because of him and his descendants, all nations would be blessed through him. Anyone who cursed him would be cursed. Anyone who, who blessed him would be blessed. He would make his name great. And Abraham's name is great. But then he told Abraham to take Ishmael, all the male in your household, and all you including all the male servants, and you have them circumcised. The circumcision wasn't actually done for simply health reasons. The Bible doesn't speak about health reasons at all. In fact, it speaks of circumcision as a sign of the covenant. God had made this agreement with Abraham, and now this was going to be a sign of that agreement. And what made this agreement so unique and so wonderful and so special, even though it may seem very strange and weird to us, is that it reminded The people of Israel, that God was not only concerned about sins, he was concerned about sin, the singular. When we speak of sins, we're, we're talking about the actual sins that we have committed and, and that we break. And, and, and we know that those sins, breaking God's holy commands and falling short of his glory, those, by the way, those commands of perfect love, we know that God hates sin and, and he's angry over the sins we committed. But the same Lord is also angry and extremely concerned over sin itself. This is all the things that come because of sin. This includes the fear of death. Yes, God's anger. Even the guilty conscience that's connected with sin. And above all, God is definitely concerned about sin that we have inherited and that has cursed our very human nature. This is passed on all when Adam and Eve fell into sin, and from one generation to the next, we have inherited that sinful nature. You and I have that same sinful nature. And being circumcised remind them of that. But circumcision wasn't just simply an act of God or just simply a good work to please God. No, circumcision was actually an act of faith. It came with a believing heart. It says it in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Circumcise yourself to the Lord. Circumcise your heart. And circumcising your heart to the Lord is simply putting off that old self and put on that new believing self that old self that is controlled by that sinful nature that comes from inheriting sin and that causes us to actually commit sins, God says you put that off, you take that off, you throw that away. But how can we? We're not strong enough to do it, being sinful human beings. How can we even put on the new self? Well, that can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the very word of God in your hearts. And this very Holy Spirit always testifies about Jesus the Savior. He always points to us to what God has done for us. Not what we need to do, but what God has done to save us. And so this gift of circumcision, it was a sign of the covenant. And this putting off the old self and putting on the new can only be done, as Dr. Martin Luther would put it, by daily contrition and repentance. With sorrow over sin and trusting in the forgiveness of sins that is ours in Christ Jesus alone. This gift of God, even faith is a gift of God. This this gift of God is what we rejoice in and cling to And give thanks to God for. And now this brings me to another part of circumcision. Because connected to circumcision was the promise of Isaac. And Isaac was born a year later. And he was actually named by the Lord before he was even born. Isaac is so important because that promise of a child through Sarah... Was going to be the next in line to the Savior, and the Savior does come from the line of Abraham and also the line of David, which is the line of the kings. This very, this this very Savior Himself who would come through this line, circumcision was a reminder, constantly of that promise of the Savior, and along with it, that promise of forgiveness that that Savior would win for us. But Jesus himself actually didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need rebirth. He was already perfect and holy. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So why be circumcised? You could say the same about baptism. Why would Jesus even need to be baptized? He didn't need the forgiveness of sins. He didn't need water put on him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with the hope that his sins have been paid in full. Because he was already perfect and holy. But he did it to be our substitute, to be our brother. To be what is called true man. And in taking our place, our very Savior would take on the sins of the world. We always think that he took on the sins of the world, you know, really towards the end of his ministry, probably maybe starting in Gethsemane, because remember he was shed, he was already praying intensely, and, and, his, and his sweat was like drops of blood, and, and clearly suffering for the sins of the world. He even spoke of if this cup of wrath could be taken from him, and yet he would say, not my will, but your will be done. No, Jesus was taking on the sins of the world already from the start and especially at his circumcision. The circumcision was a constant reminder that this Savior is the one who would shed blood and pay for the sins of the world, which is exactly what he did. He paid the debt by going under the law and keeping the law perfectly, which we have broken over and over. And then he would suffer the punishment of that law because it was a punishment we couldn't suffer and live. But he would do that for us. And in so doing, we too live with the hope of everlasting life. To a certain extent, you could say baptism is like The sign of the covenant. Constant reminder that with water in name of the Father and in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we live under a new covenant. The old covenant would say that you were God's people and God was your God when you obeyed his commands. The new covenant that we live under says that through faith in him we are saved. The old covenant Jesus came and fulfilled but the new covenant under under which we live. The Holy Spirit works to call us to faith that Jesus is our Savior. And therefore we are forgiven. The debt has been paid. He was put under the law. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the old covenant. And now we live saying happy happy new year doesn't matter what the year is going to be like we celebrate a happy new year because Jesus is our savior and then that was the day he was named now I already preached right before the Sunday, before Christmas, on the name, because the name had been revealed to Joseph, and Joseph would, was told that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. But it bears to, to just review quickly that that name Jesus, yes, you can translate it Savior, but more specifically, it means the Lord saves. The Old Testament word was Joshua. And when it says the Lord saves, it's not translated God saves. It's actually translated, the Lord saves, putting the emphasis on the fact that this is the great I am. This is the one who, at the burning bush, revealed himself when Moses asked him, who should I say is sending me? I am who I am. This is the the God who exists. This is the God who is real. But this is our Savior God. This is the God, yes, who hates sin, but his love for us is greater than even his hate. And because of that, the very God himself took on human flesh, and he saves. Again, he paid the debt, and he paid it in full. And you and I now live In that name of Jesus, knowing that because of the name of Jesus, our names have been changed. We're no longer sinful human beings who should spend forever in hell, even though that's what we deserve. No, because of Jesus, we are now called children of God, sons of God, and heirs of everlasting life. Through faith in Jesus... We go to our Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, but trusting in that forgiveness that he won for us that is truly ours. We live with it now. We don't live with hope one day after we died. We live with hope now. And it's not hope that's wishful thinking. It's hope that's guaranteed. It doesn't matter what the new year is going to bring. Oh, there's going to be happiness in this new year. There's going to be plenty of sadness in this new year. Some of us might be the last that we will be on this earth this new year. But the good news is, we live. And we live forever. In the name of the one whose name means, the Lord saves friends, makes every new year a happy new year. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is May God bless you today and every day.